Welcome to this week's episode of Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. This week we will be talking thoroughbred horse racing with red hot trainer John Sadler, winner of five stake races at Del Mar in the first two weeks of the meet, including two grade one stakes. NFL training camp time, NFL football time with Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator and play caller extraordinaire Norv Turner. But first, I want to thank all of you who listened to the first two episodes of Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. I got the horse right here. The name is Paul Revere. And here's a guy that says if the weather's clear, can do, can do. This guy says the horse can do, if he says the horse can do, can do. Welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. I want to thank my guest, Norv Turner, for taking time out of his busy schedule and training camp to come on this week and talk a little bit of Carolina Panthers football. How are we doing, Norv? We're doing great. You uh, you know, we're, in, we're at that point. You remember five days in and uh, getting a lot done, but, uh, you know, it's that, that period where guys are getting beat up a little bit, a little bit sore, but, uh, but you know, you know how it is. They got to fight through it. Yeah, and I, I know looking and following you guys on the internet and following you guys on the television shows, guys have an explosive offensive football team, of course, led by Christian McCaffrey. There's a lot of things you can do with this player, this young player, and he had almost 33% of the scrimmage yards on your offense last year. He had 107 receptions. I believe that was a franchise record. He had almost 1,100 yards rushing and 13 touchdowns. That That's a little bit of a fun toy you have there to play with, isn't it, Dorf? Well, he's uh, he's really an amazing player and person. I mean, he is he is driven, and, uh, you know, they just came out with the NFL, does the, the NFL Network does the top 100, and I think they they uh, picked him at 42, and I don't think he was real happy about that. Uh, you know, he, he feels... <laughs> He feels slighted at different times. Uh, he takes a lot of pride in the way he performs, and he's a great competitor. And he's, you know, he he actually could go out and play a slot receiver like Wes Welker type guy, uh, you know. And you you we use him that way some, but he's such a great runner. Uh, he's a he's a complete player, no question. I saw a piece on him on television today. He has a sound studio at his house in Colorado, and he's working on music and rap music. Uh, this kid, he can do just about anything he wants to do, I believe. He, he really can, and, uh, you know, it says something about his family, and uh, obviously Ed McCaffrey's his father, and his, his mom's a great woman, and, and the way he's been brought up, and uh, he knows the right way to do things. Can I talk to you about a couple of young wide receivers you have? This DJ Moore, I hear he made a great one-handed catch in the red zone, the other day at practice, and it looks like uh, stat-wise he's going to be pretty good for you too. He led the league in average yards after the catch. Uh, tell us a little about that about that Maryland Terrapin where I went to school. That's right. Uh, you know, we hired uh, Jim Hostler in the offseason, and uh, Jim's had great success with receivers all around, and I think he's had already had an impact on DJ and Curtis Samuels. I'm sure we're going to talk about him in a minute. Absolutely. Uh, DJ... You know these guys that come from the spread. It's not a there. There's not a lot of discipline to the route running, and he's improved a great deal in a year in his route running. Uh, we know that when he gets the ball in his hands, he's explosive. He, I mean, he made great runs. He looks like a running back sometimes. 
Uh, he's a, there's no question, he's an intermediate, up the field, deep threat. Uh, you know, he's about 215, and uh, he goes after the ball, and he did make a one-handed catch. Was, uh, he didn't really look soon enough, so when he looked up, all he could do is get the one hand up, and uh, he, he caught it and put it away. It was impressive. A defense mechanism, huh? <laughs> so the kid you're talking about, this Curtis Samuels from Ohio State, uh, pretty good talent, and it looks like he's gaining more confidence in the things I've read, gaining confidence in his ability to play at that level, to make plays at that level. Can you tell us all about Curtis Samuel? Yeah, Curtis is, uh, you know, he had some bad luck coming in here. He's, his rookie year, uh, he, he broke his ankle or dislocated his ankle, and then, you know, last year, I think people know, he, he had that heart condition that they – Went in and, and you know they fixed it fixed it and and uh, so he got off to a little bit of a slow start uh, came on strong the second half of the season he's uh, he's really improved as a route runner and I uh, like I said I uh, coach Hoffer I give him credit for that and I think those guys have really bought into what what we're teaching them and. Curtis is so fast. I mean, he's as fast a player as I've probably been around. And uh, but he's got great body control. I think those who watched him at Ohio State know he was he was in the backfield a great deal for them. They're handing them the ball. Uh, you know, they're very creative with their offense. So he's a versatile player. But he's really taken to lining up at wide receiver and and getting great releases and and you know really growing as a route runner. Yeah, he he looks like the he's he can play the part, and he looks like he's going to be explosive for you guys. And you know that's the name of the game: don't turn the ball over, be able to run the football as you like to do, and then be explosive on offense. And looks like with those th- first three we talked about: McCaffrey, Moore, Samuel, you got some explosiveness to the offense. I wanted to talk about uh, with well, the, for, one thing that, the comment I was going to make, and, and you you know because you've been there. Uh, with this type of deal, when you got a runner, and, and we were first in the league in average per attempt last year at 5.1, when you got a runner, those those outside receivers ultimately or eventually are going to get singled up. They're going to get matchups because people are going to get in eight-man fronts and try to stop the run. Absolutely. So, uh, their development is critical to keeping the balance we want so you know everyone has a chance to contribute. Absolutely, and that's the way we like to play the game, isn't it? You let them load the box and stop the run, and you've got that one-on-one matchups like we used to have with Randy Moss and Chris Carter. You have those one-on-one matchups, and then you go ahead like you had with Michael Irvin down in Dallas. You go ahead and make some hay and do some damage. Before I move on to Cam, I want to talk about a kid who I really admire. He's not a kid anymore. He's the oldest player in your team. He's 34 years old now. We had him in Chicago when I was with Lovey Smith. Tight end Greg Olson, you couldn't talk about a better human being and a great person. It's, it appears he's entering training camp healthy. Uh, is he going to be able to contribute for you guys again this year? Well, it's, it's one of the disappointments I had about last year. You know, he, he uh, coming off the, the foot injury and then he re-injured it in the first game. We thought he was out for the season. He was out four or five weeks, and they, then he came back and he was able to play five or six weeks, and then it just – it just gave out, but uh, you know they did a they did a kind of a, a more detailed surgery. Uh, they felt they felt great about it. He's rehabbed it. Uh, he is he's going good right now, and you know he's 
the quarterbacks, there are certain guys that they just depend on, and, and yes. they all love the tight ends. Absolutely. And Cam and Greg, gosh, the history they have and, and the you know chemistry they have. Uh, I like the way it's going right now, and, and Greg is kind of Cam's security blanket. His, his nickname for him, for, for Greg, is Mr. Reliable, so that tells you a little something about how he feels about him. So that's uh, – you have the guy in the middle. Uh, it makes a big difference. Absolutely, and and he, you know, they they want to stop the run, they want to get matchups. He's able to win those one-on-one matchups when he's healthy, and he's shown that over the years. And and again, I want to allude to what a great person he is too. How is it working with your son Scott? He's your quarterback coach. It must be really nice for you and Nancy to have your son around daily and get a chance to spend time with him and and teach him and bring him along. It must be a great prideful thing it it must feel good pretty damn good huh north it, it really is and you know we've been this is i think our fifth year uh together you know i took a year off there a couple of years ago but uh scott's done a great job he's got a he's got a great relationship with cam uh, he's working with our young quarterbacks uh you know uh i i think uh that that quarterbacks that ex that relationship they have with their coach uh, you know they can confide in them. Sometimes when you're the coordinator and you're and you're involved with everybody, uh, you know they like that specific attention, that detail, uh, the extra time they get to spend with the quarterback coach, and and they have a great, they all have a, a great relationship. And you know I think Scott's done a great job with Cam with the the percentage passing, the getting the ball out of his hand quicker. Uh, obviously, before he had the shoulder injury, he was rolling pretty good last year. So we want to build on those things and then, uh, you know, do it for 16 games and then in the in the tournament. Yeah, and, and speaking of quarterbacks, you've had Troy Aikman, Carson Palmer, Phillip Rivers, and Brad Johnson, just to name a few, all more of that – pocket passer, that real smart quarterback, that check down guy, guys aren't afraid to check the ball down. And now you go to Carolina and you work with this phenomenal athlete out of Auburn, uh, playmaker with his arm, playmaker with his feet, playmaker with his uh, attitude, his uh, confidence. Um, They talk about a pitch count. I see a pitch count, and I'm going to say something, you correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if there's such a thing as a pitch counter or if it's just the installation, the way you put the installation in, the reps that you split up, you just follow it, and then if he gets sore, you might pull back on a little bit. But tell us a little bit about how you're bringing him along and then all the things I read about is throwing motion changing. Is it too late for him to change his throwing motion at his at this stage? It, you know, a lot's been made out of that. I really uh, don't see – a lot of change in his actual throwing motion. What we've really worked hard on is his his left shoulder, his footwork, uh, pushing off his back foot, using his legs, uh, not getting too opened up. So it's more about his fundamentals with his lower body, with his drops. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's keeping the ball a little tighter, but you know, I always tell guys, this isn't, it's not a baseball pitcher. And those guys coming after you, they're coming after you. And you've got to be able to throw the ball in a lot of different arm positions. You've got to be able to adjust. 
uh, when it's a clean pocket, we want him we want him to use his body, use his legs. Uh, you know, sometimes he gets too he he would get too wide open, too opened up with that left foot, and it's all arm and it and it, and it takes a toll. Uh, the thing I like most about what Cam did last year is what you're talking about. Uh, he still uses his physical skills, and we run the ball with him. Uh, he takes off on scrambles. He does those things. Uh, but he did, he he really did a good job of staying within the system. That's how Christian McCaffrey caught 107 balls. I mean, when it wasn't up the field, he wasn't forcing it. He's getting the ball down to the tight end, getting the ball down to the backs, uh, you know, moving moving the, the chains, getting first downs. Uh, you know, as the year went on, we, we lost the ability to get the ball up the field a little bit because, you know, it was hard on them. So I, I right now, you know, he's thrown some deep balls that have been very, very impressive. So I think we'll get back to having the, the complete passing game we want. Well, that's exciting. I'm really excited to watch you guys this year. In, finish, in finishing up, I talked to PA back in Minnesota this morning, and he, we were talking horse racing. And he, he told me to ask you about Skull Sister. A horse that you <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think uh, we all got sold a bill of goods when uh, obviously we're talking about Paul Allen when he started looking for horses for to get some guys to go in with. Uh, you know, we we had a lot of fun with it. I'm not saying we won many races or much money. Yeah, it's a good time when you get some people involved in in horse racing. It's a good time when you get to hang out with your friends at the racetrack, and it's a good time when I get a chance to take a couple of your minutes from training camp and spend a little bit of time talking about those Carolina Panthers. Stay healthy. Have a great rest of your training camp. We'll stay in touch and uh, say hi to Nancy and say hi to uh, the rest of the guys on the staff. Will do. Great talking to you. Okay, thanks, North. Okay. Appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, this is Nate. You're doing this. It's good. So great to have guys like North Turner on during his busy schedule with training camp, talking about exceptional players that he's coaching down there in Carolina. Next up, we're going to have red-hot trainer John Sadler, where we'll talk about some of his wins this year and some upcoming races. Back to the show. Can do, can do. This guy says the horse can do. If he says the horse can do, can do. John, you're off to a great start. Five stake wins in the first two weeks at the Del Mar race meet. Over 684,000 in purses. You got to be feeling pretty good right about now. Hey, yeah, uh, we're feeling great down here at Del Mar. It's a beautiful summer. The weather's good, and, and uh, we're off to a fast start. So everything's, everything's good right now. Yeah, I want to go through those five wins. I was there for a couple of them, John, and the first one, opening day, the Ocean Side on July 17th, a horse called Jassican, correct me if I, I, I said that wrong, and it's an Irish bread out of Bated Breath, which is a Great Britain bread, and uh, Pratt rode that one. That was a mile turf race for three-year-olds. Tell us a little bit about that horse for the Horonas uh, Racing Stable. Well, we're always looking for um, prospects. This horse came available, uh, broke his maiden in Ireland last year. Uh, in the fall, 
Michael Donahoe and Niall Dalton, Bloodstock agents from over there, and we purchased him privately. He'd run two good races before the Oceanside, one an allowance race and third in a stake. So um, it looks like he's a good prospect. He's going to ultimately be going for the Del Mar Derby. Are you going to run him back on August 4th in the La Jolla Handicap for uh, Grade 3? Uh, that's well, uh, Possibly. Yeah. We're going to run him there. Um, I haven't decided yet. I actually won't decide till like, Thursday afternoon, you know, before before the, that day. So right now we think we are, but we're not 100% sure. Yeah, I saw you had him nominated. I uh, had him nominated in there. So then you come back on Saturday the 20th. You're winning the San Diego ha- Handicap, grade three. That's a mile of 16th for three and up on dirt. You had Rosario in the irons that day. Tell us a little bit about Catalina Cruiser. Now, that's a big horse out of Union Rags, again, for the Ronas Racing Stable. Tell us a little bit about that horse. That's a really nice horse. He's a, he's a really good horse. He's one of the better older horses in America this year, in my opinion. Um, he's only lost once in his career. He's had some stops and starts, so he's not heavily raced, but he's really, really good. Um, he won the, the stake in New York in his first race of the year. Then he came back and won the San Diego Handicap. Um, he's just a big horse. He's almost almost 1,300 pounds, and he's just a runner. So um, I'm very careful with him. He's going to be a hot sled prospect possibly as early as next year. We'll just see how it goes. That's great. And then and then Wednesday, the 24th, for, for Woodford Racing, you win the Cougar 2 Handicap, which you've won in the past before. That's a grade three, mile and a, mile and a half for three and up. That's a horse named Campaign. That's a curling, really nice horse. And Bejarano was in the Irons that day. How about how about a little yeah, bit he, about that horse? He rode him at Santa Anita and won the um, Tokyo City race on him. He's a what we call a stayer. He runs the long distances, no problem. Mile and a quarter, mile and a half. Um, if they rode races longer, he could run in them. He's <laughs> a big horse. Um, he gives an honest effort for us every time. He was a little unlucky in New York and start before this one, but um, he won impressively, and, and I think there's a chance he'll go back to the Pacific Classic. Oh, that's awesome. That's good to hear. Then you come back this past weekend. What what a tremendous weekend. What a tremendous weekend for my pocketbook, too. You win the Bing Crosby grade one, six furlongs on the dirt, three and up with a horse named Cistron for Hironis Racing Stable again. Now, that, that horse is out of the factor. This time, Victor Espinosa was up. Tell us a little bit about that horse. Yeah, he's a horse that's um, won a stake in Oakland at three. He's a hard-knocking horse. He's a five-year-old horse, beautifully sound. Um, just always gives a good account of himself. And his form has really picked up when we used to be sprinting him on the hill um, at six and a half on the turf at Santa Anita. When they changed the distance on that race, we switched him to the dirt, and it turns out he's found his best stride on the dirt at six furlongs, so with a win like that, if it's a win and you're in, so he's already eligible for the Breeders' Cup sprint, and um, it was a very good race for him. He seems to be, even though he's five, he seems like he's running better and better, so it's pretty exciting. That's always nice to hear, isn't it? Then you come back. Absolutely. Then you come back on my son Nathan's 30th birthday, July 28th. I was watching this one as well, and boy, what a finish. Ollie's Candy wins the Clement L. Hirsch. Of course, we all know grade one, Clement L. Hirsch was one of the founders of Oak Tree Racing. That was your fifth, that was your fifth 
Clement L. Hirsch, and that was breaking a tie with the great bald eagle Charlie Whittingham and John Sheriffs. Congratulations on that. That was another Phillies and Mares, three and up, Kent the Sormer in the Irons, and that one you're in the Breeders' Cup this staff with that win. Congratulations on that, John. What a great feat. Yeah, she's a nice filly. She has a, a good record. She's always, you know, she's always, she's won actually canyon rides. She's won on synthetic. Um, I think she's won on turf. She's won on dirt. Very versatile filly. Um, over some very nice people live in Northern California. And um, it was her first group one. So for a filly in that's as big as it gets. So uh, we're really happy with her, and we'll probably run her once at uh, Santa Anita. We'll probably do this in the state, and then we'll look at the Breeders' Cup distaff. Well, you won that race in 2006 with Health, Healthy Edition. You won it in 2014, correct me if I'm saying this wrong, with a horse named Ayatapa. Then you came back in 16 and 17 with the great Stellar Wind. Uh, what a great record, and congratulations on uh, having the most wins in the Clement L. Hurst grade one. That's a great job. Great job, John. I, I was really, I'm happy with that. I, I, one of my first bosses was Jack Robbins. And one, he was one of the founding directors of, of Oak Tree, along with Clement Hurst. And the Hurst family in California has just been a supporters of racing for a long time. So it's a great race to win. Yeah, that's, that, that's just, you're off to a, a wonderful start. At Del Mar, look forward to a continued success in that meet. Let's go back to th- 2018, the Breeders' Club Cup Classic victor, Accelerate, also uh, for Hironis Racing. Great job for those great owners. You won the Santa Anita Handicap, grade one. You won the Gold Cup at Santa Anita, a race you also won in 2015 with Hard Aces. You came back, won the Grade One Pacific Classic at Del Mar, and then the Grade One Awesome again at Santa Anita. I mean, there had to be a strong case made for Horse of the Year, but of course, as luck would have it, it's the year of a Triple Crown winner in Justify, and you you can make a case for either horse. But congratulations on that great great job. Yeah, it was a, it was a great year for Accelerate. He uh, he swept the older horse division out here in in Southern California with the wins you mentioned at Santa Anita and Del Mar and ended it up with a really great race of the British Cup Classic and he would have been the horse of the year in most years but as you know um, your good buddy Baffert got me there with an undefeated <laughs> triple crown winner yeah, that's, that's just... like a like that's like a um, royal royal flush or you know it's, it's just you don't see him very often or, so no. um, Justified was a great horse and a deserving winner but um in most years, I think I would have got it for myself. I think you're right. I think you're right, John. Well, you've come a long way from your first win in 1979, 40 years ago at Golden Gate. As I mentioned, you've, you've already won in two weeks over $684,000 in purses. In 2013, you had your second best year. You had 121 wins, and you made $7.7 million plus. That was about 63000 plus a start. You come back in 18. Now you have your best year, 8.9 plus million in purses in 59 wins, 151,000 per start. You've got better horses. You've got better owners. Talk to us about that progression and what it means to have great owners in this business. 
Well, I've always been blessed to have a full barn because whatever kind of horses I've had over my career, um, you know, we've had a good steady win percentage, high in the money percentage for for a long period of time. And, and right now I've just got better horses than I used to have. Um, you work your whole career to get those better horses. So I feel pretty um, compelled to give my best effort to put into these good horses that I have. And uh, my clients are always been good whether i've had some retired now or things change but i've always been blessed to work for good people and the Aronis racing um first class organization and uh, it's really been a joy yeah that's fun to watch your horses uh, run and especially for Aronis racing they have really put some nice horses out there looking forward to seeing what happens uh on thursday with jessican and uh is that how you say it jessican in the La Jazzican, that's Jazz correct. in the La Jolla. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, for the fans out there, about gift box. I know a lot of people want to know what's going up with the winner of the Santa Anita Handicap. What's next for gift box? Well, gift box is um, probably going to run the awesome again as a prep towards the Breeders' Cup Classic. Came down to, we took him to Churchill and we ran him in the Stephen Boxer. We ran fourth and this really kind of gave his first goal performance for us. And um, we freshened him up a little bit. He's going to lead a little bit more time. So he's not going to run until one race before the Breeders' Cup, and then we'll get him ready for the some of the big races at the end of the year. It's a real nice horse. Uh, can run a big distance. He's had a couple of, you know, really good races. He When he beat McKenzie in the in the 70 to handicap, it was just a really exciting race. And we were lucky to edge him. And, as you know how good McKenzie is in America right now, um, if you can run with him, you can run with anybody. Yeah, I like that. That was a tremendous race, and that gift box is a tremendous horse, and best of luck the rest of the year with that horse. In 2010 on Sydney's Candy, you won your first Santa Anita Derby. Had to be a thrill training in California for so long. That, that really had to feel good. Uh, stellar win, though, by Curlin, 2015. Champion three-year-old, Eclipse Award-winning Philly. Please tell the fans a little bit about Stella Wynn and what a joy it was to train such an exceptional horse. Yeah, she was a really good race there. Um, David and Gordo spotted her, breaking her maiden at Laurel in Maryland. Um, and at the time, Curlin was standing at Lane's Head Farm, so they're watching for how the offspring do at the track. And she won very impressively. And we bought her out of Maryland and... You know, it was in January or February. She'd come in from Maryland to Southern California. She looked like a woolly bear because the weather was so cold back there. Um, she got to California sun, and she just continued to improve and and um, develop and won a lot of big six or seven group ones for us. And then eventually, at the, when it was time for her to stop running, was sold her as a broodmare for $6 million to the great Coolmore outfit. And um, this year, just to kind of complete the cycle, they put out a really good picture of her with her first foal by Galileo, who's the number one stallion in the world. So that's one I'm going to be watching for. I, I hope it comes to the United States, but it might be running in Europe. That could be a runner. That could be a runner everybody wants to get their hands on. Do you have any upcoming two-year-olds? I had I made Bafford tell us about a couple upcoming two-year-olds. Do you have any upcoming two-year-olds for us to watch, John? Yeah, we've got um, a couple coming out here in the next couple of weeks. We have a, 
a two-year-old filly by the big beast called Inspiresa that's going to probably run on um, August 11th. And then I think on August 7th, we have a two-year-old called Encoder um, going to run a two-year-old maiden race on the turf. So those will be some of our early two-year-old runners. My whole group of two-year-olds is not particularly early this year, but we'll probably run four or five, six during Del Mar, and then more in the fall. Well, that sounds like an exciting 12 months of racing. We, you've already had an exciting seven months of racing. Best of luck this week. Best of luck the rest of the Del Mar meet, and best of luck the rest of the year in the Breeders' Cup and all the big races. I really appreciate taking time out of your busy schedule to visit with us. Talk to you soon. I'll see you down at Del Mar before the end of the meet. Thanks for coming on, John. No problem, Mike. Good to talk to you. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. I'd like to thank my guest, offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers, Norv Turner, and red-hot thoroughbred horse trainer, John Sadler. Have a great week, and don't forget to join us next week as we talk more NFL football and horse racing. Who knows? We can introduce our Fast Friday segment next week. Tweet your thoughts and comments to at odds and ends pod. That's at O-D-D-S-N-E-N-D-S pod.